Hello everyone, I'm John Hudson and welcome back to the Spitfire podcast in partnership with IWC Schaffhausen. In today's episode, we'll be talking with Lachlan Munro. Lachlan is in charge of the organisation, planning and logistics of the Longest Flight Expedition, including not just the schedule and movement of the crew, but access to airspace, dealing with international bodies to flying near or over monuments, and getting the Spitfire into some countries it has never flown in before. Simple stuff. Hi Lachlan, so welcome. Thanks for talking to us about The Longest Flight. Can you please just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved with the project? Yeah, certainly. So um, I'm, the, uh, I'm the unfortunate uh, project director for yeah. the expedition. Um, but in all seriousness, it's a great privilege. Um, uh, it's an it's, it's absolute unique um, opportunity to take one of the, you know, the great British icons mm. around the world. Um, I got involved with it really. Uh, I've been a, 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 an old friend of, of Matt Jones, one of oh, the yeah. one of the pilots and one of the, the directors of uh, the Boltby Flight Academy. Yeah. Um, and um, as these things always, uh, they tend to start over a, over a beer in the pub. Yes. Uh, and now here we are, sort of two years later. So is that how long it's been since you've been rolling this down the road? Yeah. So pretty much, um, I think from inception to now, it is it is pretty much two years. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I mean, there's you know, going from literally nothing to um, you know creating something of this magnitude. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I'm hugely pleased that we did have that amount of time because there's, there's been so much to organize for it yeah and as a project manager for this kind of thing it's um two years we're now what into the, the last few weeks almost before you go so yeah exactly Thank, thanks for the reminder <laughs> um, so what how are preparations like finally sort of coming together yeah i think you know there's there's there's, there's so many different work streams uh, yeah. uh taking place um to make sure um you know that that, that not only are we ready to go but of course mm-hmm. that we're able to actually uh, complete the expedition, mm. Um, mm. you know, so that you know that there's everything from, uh, you know, on one end of the spectrum. There's there's the the boring elements, which are the sort of the budgetary, uh, you know, and the, and, the, and the financial modelling for something yeah. like this. Necessary uh, evils. That... Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's not uh, um, it's not for the faint-hearted no, from, but... from, a, from a financial point of view. Um, through to um, making sure that um, our um, our partners mm-hmm. and sponsors are are, are fully catered to. Um, and uh, and then of course into the actual uh, nitty gritty around um, uh, you know the, the logistics and operational planning for the thirty odd countries that we're going to um, yeah. over four months uh, and all the details therein. Yeah, well, that's an impressive <coughs> list already, and I'm really looking forward to finding out some more detail about that. But let's go back to you said that there was a, a moment over a beer. So how did this the original idea? come up what was the the genesis for it well i, I think i so i i also have a, an, another slightly mad friend who uh, who has an equally interesting business where he, he runs the uh the the, the british uh, side of the vendee globe so oh, okay. it's a, um around the world sailor yeah um and i thought that actually there might be quite a fun uh, sort of post-brexit project which was a, a sort of cool britannia flavor which okay. would combine perhaps a spitfire following the vendee globe round and, and just reminding right the world about you know we rule the waves and the air and and, and all that sort of good stuff um but in all seriousness i i i put uh, got in touch with matt and, mm. and this other chap and we sort of sat to see whether we could get something going yeah. um unfortunately timings didn't quite work out because the, the vendee's in 2020 um but at the, matt said well actually you know him and uh, his partner steve had bought this incredibly special aircraft and we're, we're, yeah. look at, we're actually looking at doing um have started thinking about doing a global circle navigation so um 
why not uh, you know, yeah. see if we can make something work so uh, and, and it's led to this yeah. so that's where it began and yeah. did you know when you have had those initial conversations that it would be this long in the planning was that kind of geared around the aircraft itself or is it just the logistics also that take that long um, well I think yeah I, to be honest at the first instance I, I didn't really think about that <laughs> probably should have done but, um, the, uh, but, but from the outset it really was the fact that this aircraft which means so much more to people than it just being an aircraft, special yeah. aircraft. Yeah. To to have the opportunity to showcase it around the world, um, I, I just think it was just it's just irresistible to, mm. to not be involved in it. So, um, you know, from the that was a high level view, and then of course when you actually look in underneath the bonnet to really un, to work out what it requires to yeah. get this on the road. Oh, in the air, rather. Um, uh, that, that's when it became apparent, really, that there's, there's an awful lot of work to do. I mean, the restoration itself is is obviously one work stream which requires yep. time, mm-hmm. um, and, th- and that's been two years in the running, so that's coming nicely together. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, just the, 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 the when we actually started doing the route, which mm. was the, probably the first thing that we wanted to get sorted, is like, where are we actually going? Mm-hmm. Um, you then start to see, <clears throat> obviously, how many places you're visiting. Yep. And then that in itself is a, is a is a large number. So it's around thirty countries that we're we're visiting. And right. then, but within that, there's a there's a there's a whole multitude of other um, stops that we're doing. So I think it's a, we're, we're somewhere near 120 actual individual stops. Okay. And so there's a whole logistics piece around every one of those stops that yeah. needs to be organised. Um, and of course, we're working to a schedule. Uh, any delays uh, start impacting on the schedule, of which mm. you know impact then on you know, partners and other obligations that we've got. So yep. there's a lot of pressure on getting the the detail right around um, the, the the route and the, and the logistics around it. Got you. So you start with the route. And then how do you establish that kind of uh, liaison with the people on the ground that you have to deal with? How do you do all, all that negotiating? Um, well, I mean, th- you know, thankfully... Um, I was very pleased to hear that there are um, some organisations out there that that do you know that help with the operational planning for global circumnavigations. Um, oh, okay. they're, they're known as over overflight um, management companies, right. um, and so we're we're fortunate to have um, Overflight Limited, who mm-hmm. uh, and Paul Portnoy, who who uh, owns and runs that business, who's mm-hmm. worked with Steve and Matt before when they did a when they took a Learjet around the world. Right. So. He was familiar to the team. He's, he's he knows the ground. He's been doing it for thirty years. So, yeah. to bring him in as a partner to help, uh, uh, you know, his role really is to find is to get the permissions to land to, to right. find a, a local agent on the ground who can organise fuel, yeah. perhaps accommodation and those types of things. So, I've I've managed to very nicely uh, yeah. <laughs> offlay some of that to Paul. So, oh, that's uh, good. Yeah, I'm very pleased about that. But I guess you're kind of meeting in the middle because the the normal client he would have would have a business jet or something rather than a vintage iconic designed a 75 year old um, airplane so there must be an aspect of him having to do a bit of learning on his feet as well yeah absolutely I mean you know, at the end of the day, the Spitfire is a uh, is a it used to be certainly an instrument of war, and mm. and of course it still carries those connotations with it. So, you know, in in the first instance, one has to make sure that the places that you're going understand that this is not uh, an in-service aircraft. Yes. Um, and actually, you know, people may think that that's uh, that's crazy that that anyone would still think that, but actually. You know, more than once we've had this already. Is this still in service uh, military aircraft? Because right. if it is, then obviously there's a whole different. Uh, so, mm-hmm. so, so, actually, one of the reasons for um, uh, finishing it in, in the shiny silver that it is yep. is to really try and make it as least provocative as possible. 
um, and to remove any of those sort of um, uh, war connotations. Yeah. Uh, so, it's, 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 so to make it frictionless as we go across borders. Yeah, I get it. And uh, that must be a huge huge part of the planning, just dealing with those sort of import-export, the big letter C at the airfield type guys. Absolutely. I mean, you know, not only has every, has every country got their own, you know, general aviation or civil aviation authority rules yeah. and regulations that, that, that are absolutely unique to those countries, um, uh, there's also within those countries. So you know, take a you know a, somewhere like Russia, for example. What what yeah. what is what is within the regulations within the administra- administration centre in Moscow yeah. doesn't necessarily com- commute uh, commute to the uh, to the individual that's running a tiny airfield uh, right. on the far eastern side of Russia, which is actually <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> London's actually closer to Moscow than yeah. that individual airfield. Yeah, uh, whole continent uh, apart. It, it's very much comes down to you know the mood of the individual on the day as to whether he's going to let you land or not. So um, yeah. not only is the logistic planning around that um, complicated, but also. Yeah the actual flight plan needs to be needs to recognize that there may well be times where you know the the, the aircraft is turned away so okay that leads into um the the fuel capacity of the aircraft and yeah. then and then uh, uh making sure that you never fly past the point of no return because you one almost must you have to make sure that you're able to fly back to the the the, the, the last port got you and then uh, do you have to build in layers of contingency in case this sort of a, a really bad set of weather in the way or are you just going to wait for things like that to clear yeah i mean you know this is the this is the this is the cha- you know the, the the biggest challenge you know is 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 going to be the weather making sure that we uh um you know you know have, there's not many contingency plans you can have really you have to sort of sit it out right. um we're trying to um the route the direction of course mm-hmm. um yeah it was important when you're doing the route plan you know we've purposely gone um uh, westward bound because you know we're trying to chase daylight um mm. we're trying mm. to give ourselves the, the maximum opportunity to take the advantage of good weather yeah you know for example crossing the um crossing the bering straits in alaska yeah. it's imperative we get there before the weather turns right um so we've tried to set the itinerary so that we can get there you know sort of mid uh, beginning to mid september right before uh, the snows come and then before the snows come and the storms and you know the last thing we want is being either stuck in Nome uh, or, or yeah. even worse that the guys are having a shocker in in, uh, in you know mid flight um, yeah 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 definitely and there must be a yeah, a part of you now which is a, a weather expert globally <laughs> yeah there's certainly uh, <laughs> certainly uh, there's certainly lots of uh, different weather apps that have been considered <laughs> yeah. for, for well, how, yeah. to, how to do this and actually funny enough there's no shortage of volunteers who get in touch particularly via social media who are yeah, who are who are keen to help yeah. um and you know, um, it's very difficult because because the, the pilots are flying it without um, you know without uh, radar um, available to them. So right. it's very much uh, see it as it unfolds and then yeah. re- and react to it. And will you be hive minding it at each destination, trying to get up some uh, some information about the next place? Is that yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, well, we're trying to get you know try and get, you know try and get an edge as much as possible on what's happening. Yeah, and that's just one facet of it, isn't it? That's like so the route, the distances, the weather you might encounter. What are the other hurdles that you? had to sort of consider if not overcome already well i mean uh fuel's a particular one okay uh, so the spitfire uh takes a type of fuel called avgas um right. uh which is is not normal okay. so um uh, jet fuel is what uh, most uh, jet airplanes use but right. but for this type of aircraft it's avgas and it's not readily available in many places right, okay. um, and so actually that in itself has been probably the biggest logistical challenge is to is to figure out how to make sure that we've got a continuum of av- 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 gas everywhere we go. How do you go about um, that? I mean, well, it's, 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 it's difficult. I mean, if you take uh, the north uh, northeast coast of Russia, which we'll be flying down, yep. there's no av- <coughs> gas available there. 
Um, so uh, we, you have to consider, well, should we forward load right. our gas so you could maybe get a logistics company to drop oh, right, some okay. barrels on those airfields? But then yeah. you look at that and say, well, certainly in my experience, um, if you leave barrels of full of yeah. very expensive avgas on a on a on a lonely field in yeah. Russia, I'm not 100% convinced they'll be there when we get there. <laughs> With the greatest respect, uh, and it's not just Russia; that's anywhere in the world, yeah, well, including yeah. here. So, yeah, anywhere, um, yeah. so um, yeah, you have to sort of uh, then look at it another way. So, how else could we do it? Um, and um, so, I mean, that's just you know that, that's it's one. Just the field that, that's that's, that's yeah. one place and one field I mentioned. Yeah. There's, there's other places as well which don't have it. So you have to think about how to do it. Should we carry it ourselves? And then you've also got issues around: have you got permission to fly with fuel? You know, right? So, yeah, so, yeah, passengers yeah. and fuel don't mix. Yeah, yeah. So there's, there's, there are lots of uh, there are lots of there are lots of challenges. There's also um, um, you know making sure that we can fly over land as much as possible. Right. Pilots, obviously, yeah, yeah, for yeah. obvious reasons, don't fancy doing long legs over the sea. No, I don't blame them. Um, and then you know there's, a, there's a currently there's an issue which we're facing, which is um, what's going to happen with the border between India and Pakistan, because uh, okay. most most of the general aviation uh, uh, air air routes are are out of bounds. Are the they moment. really? So right, right. Um, we have to look at that and see how else we could do it without yeah. without. Putting them across uh, too much water. Too much water. Yeah. Oh, so, wow. so I mean, they're, they're just too exotic. There are an awful lot, and, and and then even where are we sleeping when we? Well, yeah. When we yeah, arrive yeah. in uh, when we arrive in uh, in Myanmar. Um, yeah, I mean, how can you pre-book if you can have delays before you get that far? Well, around? you know, we all know pilots as well, and uh, <laughs> certainly from my time, if I remember rightly, from the army in, in the Queen's regulations, pilots had to sleep on a on a twelve-inch mattress. So. Uninterrupted rest, mate. <laughs> Life choices. So, as a, as a former as a former as a former soldier, I shall be looking for uh, for particularly hard services for the pilots. <laughs> That's only going to make your job harder. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> oh wow. And then, you, you know, you've mentioned a few of the places that are going to be challenging. Which, which are the uh, parts of the route that you're kind of most excited about from the, the more positive end of the sure. planning? I mean, to be honest, I mean, we're trying to um, take in as many uh, of uh, UNESCO, UNESCO heritage sites as possible. We're, we're super excited about, um, you know, taking this incredible... Uh, you know this incredible man-made mm. flying machine, and 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 putting it against uh, a backdrop of a, an incredible sort of man-made uh, uh, heritage yeah. site. So, yeah. if you think, um, you know, putting this alongside the Golden Temples in Burma, or, oh, wow. or flying it in uh, Petra in Jordan, mm. or, or against mm. the uh, Taj Mahal, I mean, yeah. there, 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 that's really exciting. Um, yeah. Particularly excited about Alaska. Mm. And being able to see um, firsthand the incredible beauty of, which mm. I'm sure you're familiar with, the, the beauty of yes, the landscape right, uh, up there and the, and the wildlife. We're hoping that there's going to be some, the salmon run will still be on and we'll see some right. of the bears. And yeah. that, uh, that's super exciting. So rugged nature at its finest. Yeah, exactly. And, and then on the other end of the spectrum, you know, um, going to Japan, uh, the Rugby World Cup happens to be on, which is a coincidence, oh, of course. And you're planning uh, it awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so I have some plans in my yeah. back pocket to make sure that uh, uh, we take in the sight, so um, to speak. I yeah. believe they're called Dockers Perks, likely. <laughs> well, you know, you've been asked to plan the route. Don't put words in my mouth. What about? So you mentioned some of these areas. There's um, there are other kind of more safety-related context problems that you might encounter. So you're going to take it past some 
stunning bits of architecture, but you know, architecture's there because there's people. What are the rules that you've had to deal with with single-engine vintage aircraft flying over populated zones? Well, I mean, to, to be honest, we, we we purposely planned the route to avoid Have you? populated zones. Absolutely, yeah. Right. I mean, it's it's uh, it's obviously you know it's obviously common sense and best practice to do that with this. Um, so yeah, we've we've been careful to uh, to avoid any metropolis, um, yeah. and of course, you know, we we do what we can to prepare the pilots for, you know, any any uh, um, you know evacuation mm. necessary. But I mm. mean, it, 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 this does come with very real risk to the pilots, and yeah. this, you know, the aircraft is you know although it's been fully restored, it's still 1943 technology, yes. and um, it's a 1943 engine, uh, and these guys are going to be flying in in places where they haven't flown it before. Yeah. So it does come with risk. Um, so they have to be as best prepared as possible. We've got the we've got the support aircraft, mm-hmm. which will be flying um, um, as much as possible um, in formation with it, or certainly slightly behind it, so that we can act as a spotter if something does go wrong. And okay. also, I mean, we've adjusted that aircraft to make sure that we're able to drop. Um, some some survival uh, okay. uh, some survival kit out yep. and and mark the uh, location and, right. and that sort of thing. So, so you're literally going to have a command and control aircraft that's sort of uh, yeah. you're slightly slightly behind. Yeah, ideally we can you know we can go we can go forward and have a look at if, the, if we're mm. worried about a particular weather system we can mm-hmm. go and have a we can do a bit of a recce yep. and we can you know then also we can keep in we can keep an eye contact if something yeah. you know something goes wrong. And, um, that sounds very prudent, mate. I'm just wondering <coughs> in my mind's eye, someone in, in your your kind of high pressure doing the project management how much time do you think will be spent in the air dialing ahead to secure resources accommodation that kind of thing is it going to be that last minute at any point I think it's absolutely going to be like that is uh, it best planning in the world well, yeah. uh, the problem is is that you can lay all of the best plans out mm-hmm. and I think it was Mike Tyson who famously said that you know you can, every plan's amazing until you get punched in the face. Oh, yeah, uh, that, yeah. And it's uh, it's um, it's inevitable. You know, we can book as many things as possible, and then we get delayed somewhere for four days, and then all of the bookings therefore are you know yeah. are, are, are void, yeah. and now we're back into scrabble mode. So. I do think there's going to be a lot of that. Thankfully, we've got a great um, um, communications partner in Iridium, uh, uh, the satellite, yeah, yeah. The satellite yeah. communication company. So th- they've tooled us up with, uh, you know, good communication. So oh, at least, uh, at least I'll have a chance of uh, of scrabbling uh, <laughs> rather than doing it when I land. Uh, yeah, <laughs> with very exhausted pilots. You know. <laughs> Nobody wants the phone call to be happening while they're sort of kicking the heels on the airfield. Uh, no, definitely yeah. not. But unfortunately, it is going to be that. And actually. You know that's part of the expeditionary nature of this. Yeah. Is that um, you know it isn't for the fate hearted and it's it does come with um, you know it comes with um, you know hardships along the way. And, yeah. and, and we're a small team, and it's it's, it's, it's always very interesting to um, you know in picking a team is to just to try and pick a team that's got the right temperament to be able yeah. to, to be able to not you know swing yeah. up, up and down too much and, and to days try on and, end yeah, company. And, and to try and keep a sort of you know, uh, reasonable uh, temperament. Yeah, yeah. It's not always easy, is it, in a confined sort of. No, I mean, therapy. you know, there's lots of pressures on. You know, we're 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 we we you know we've committed. You know, we're, we're at the heart of this is to try and engage with as many people as possible. So, yeah. not only are we trying to make sure that we can fulfil the, um, the the expedition, but mm-hmm. we're also trying to also make sure that we engage with people as we go. So, yeah. you know, that we've committed to um, you know some uh, um, events to 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 you know to help our. Yep. Uh, very kind sponsors um 
Um, and also, you know, we're trying to engage um, with lots of uh, and inspire people through um, mm. uh, local engagement. So we're, oh, we're, we're doing some, we're, we're, we're in partnership with the Great Britain Campaign, okay. which is um, uh, uh, a foreign office led um uh, trade initiative, which right. which really uh, was was established on the back of London 2012 to try and leverage the the, 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 the great bit of PR for, yeah. for the UK, yeah. um, and it's really it's that that campaign is run through all of the embassies as a sort of outreach uh, okay. mechanism. So we're we're engaging through that through lots of embassies to see if we can uh, um, do some on the ground engagement, which should be fun. So, yeah. th- but there are lots of pressures then to you know other pressures other than just getting around in one piece yeah but at least having the hook up with the en- uh, the embassies in country you can have a bit of reach on on their part they'll be able to hopefully do a bit of brokership for you what one hopes yeah <laughs> <laughs> well fingers crossed that'll pan yeah, who, yeah, who else uh, you've mentioned a couple of people who've been helpful to you in the uh, organizational aspects of it but from you as the project manager what other uh, organizations have been involved and have helped you out um well, I mean, our, our, our main sponsor in uh, IWC um, have been just fantastic. I mean, we wanted um, to get a principal partner who could help us with our main aim of engagement right. uh, and, and, and really amplifying what we're doing so that we can engage with as many people as possible yeah. on a global basis mm-hmm. um, and, and also at the same time share the same values that we have and that okay. Spitfire stands for. And so actually when IWC came, it was, it was, a, it was a perfect fit. And, actually, and what they've done with it is they've, they've engaged their, uh, their global network uh, of brand ambassadors and all of their key markets. And so we've managed to, through them, um, you know, globalize it. Mm. Um, so without that, we, you know, we would be, you know, we would be looking you know, different ways to try and engage with people, but they've been incredibly brilliant at, at adding loads of value to, to the planning. Yeah, and there's a little tie-in that I read about recently where they were actually making the watches for the Battle of Britain pilots who flew the Spitfire back in the day. Is, yeah, that, is that part of the story <coughs> that you got involved with and that's how you came to, think, to work together? Or? Yeah, I think, you know, they, they um, you know, they, they certainly see, uh, you know, lots of values in the Spitfire. That They have the they have a, the Spitfire uh, collection of watches before we came along they had uh, the okay. Spitfire collection of watches. So they've already they've already um, they're already committed to the Spitfire. So yeah. what we were able to do to them is uh, is help them, um, um, I guess, create uh, a new uh, collection of Spitfires around the project. Right. Uh, and in return, they're a- they're able to um, uh, amplify our our project uh, yeah. around the world. So it's, it's a lovely fit. Uh, very seamless because they know everything about Spitfires anyway. There's right. loads of heritage. There's loads of contemporary things to look at as well there's design there's engineering there's you know there's you know the spirit of excellence it's it's all there so it's very it's a very easy fit to be honest yeah i know uh, we've been involved slightly with the, with the royal air force doing a little bit of um, training with the guys down at our place what about um, other nations is there anyone in particular that you you've had a lot of time dealing with during the route planning um, not so much really. That I haven't had to, uh, haven't had to particularly get involved with any one particular country too much. Although um, uh, getting into China um, was was uh, was a challenge. Was um, I mean, the, the Chinese uh, don't have a, a, a particularly well developed um, uh, means for general aviation just yet. Although it's it's, it's front and centre of their um, planning. So to get permission um, to go in there was was is, is a no at the outset, and therefore you right. have to try and look at it and see well how, how else could we go about trying to get permission to go there? Because uh, yeah, how do you do that? China, well, Ch- China's going to China was such an important part of this for us. Hmm. It, it just it just wouldn't feel complete if we didn't go to China, and yeah. we would sort of be such a shame if um, 
um, if we if we didn't put the effort in to try and right. try, find a way. Um, so um, yeah, we've committed to um, making an appearance at uh, one of their largest um, air shows, oh, so yeah. sort of Farnborough type air show right. in in, uh, in Chengdu. Um, and in return, they've uh, they've uh, they've welcomed us in. So um, right. we've managed to so a bit of back and forth. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And you know, it's important for us. We went over there. We spent some time there, um, mm. wanting to. Um, uh, convey to um, the Chinese that, the, mm. that they, they could hopefully get lots out of this. This, was, mm. this wasn't just us wanting to use their airspace to help our expedition. There's a real you know, commitment from us that we, we would like to do something that would, Got you. you know, they could get something out of it. So again, yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's a quid pro quo, but it, it requires, it does require the effort to try and make these things happen. Yeah, lots of effort, and you've certainly been dealing with a lot of different parties but I just yeah. interesting hearing that there's a there's an air show that you said you'll attend so are there any other kind of significant milestones that are your, almost your kind of must achieve deadlines is timing kind of feature in any other aspects of the journey um well yeah I mean we're you know we're under we're under pressure um to get back for Christmas <laughs> right <laughs> my wife keeps reminding me um <laughs> that's definitely the biggest yeah the biggest driver. so priority one <laughs> yeah. yeah Christmas in uh, yeah exactly um but um no I think look I I, I think um uh you know we've managed expectations from right. everybody who's involved that this isn't something that's going to run like clockwork uh yeah. and, and if you want it to run like clockwork it's probably not for you so it's not the right uh, aeroplane for that is it no, 75 years old yeah, no, exactly. yeah. and exactly yeah. and uh, thankfully IWC, even as a Swiss uh, watchmaker, uh, you know <laughs> the irony's uh, not lost on them. No, it's not lost on them, and they've got <laughs> enough of a sense of humour to be able to uh, to be able to cope with that. So, cool. um, yeah, no time. Uh, I think actually, in a funny kind of way, um, you know, we, we don't want this to be. A, we've never wanted this to be a race or mm. a race mm. against the clock. It's yeah. not. It's, it's actually almost one of the things about flying, which you know, I'm not a pilot, but from what I hear from the, um, the guys, is that really what they want to do about trying to inspire people yeah. to fly and to show the beauty of flying is that actually when you're flying time isn't something that necessarily you know really has a huge demand on you unless you unless you unless it has to be so it, right. it is a way in which you can perhaps slow down yeah time in a funny kind of way so, well, I suppose so. it's really important i think that, that you know we're not this isn't a sort of um around the world in 80 days uh you know right. spend two minutes in each place and move on we're actually you're going to savour it hopefully yeah, as definitely. well yeah, yeah. I mean, you know that you know part of this is um you know as i say it's about engagement we want to it's going to be fascinating seeing how you know great britain is perceived hmm. through this icon uh, particularly at the moment when um you know internally in the uk i think we feel a bit depressed and a bit uh, a bit sorry for ourselves and I think we're perhaps a bit down on how we're perceived uh, in, in, in the wider world and I think it's going to be for me personally it's going to be very interesting to, as a litmus to see actually right. hopefully and I'm hoping and, I, and I'm, I, I'm absolutely convinced that what we'll see is that um, you know people love this aircraft it was a it was uh, it was a real hand of friendship from the UK yeah um, it demonstrates lots of great things about the UK even today without having to look back 80 years it's still about engineering excellence it's yeah. about you know it's a it's about um it's a defender rather than an aggressor mm, mm. and i'm hoping that we can we can we can you know lighten the mood a little bit by demonstrating that actually people 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 love love the aircraft and they love great britain yeah i think that the, uh, the design classic element of the expedition is awesome but equally people i'm sure will be fascinated by the adventurous tone of it too because the things you've already described i mean 
it's via an aeroplane, but you're going to have an amazing adventure around the world. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, we wanted to inspire... You know, when we first sat down, we, we actually put on a... We sat um, at, uh, at Steve's house and, uh, and we, we, we put up on his uh, whiteboard, you know, things mm. that we wanted this you know, to, to achieve. And, and inspiration was at the core of it. <coughs> and there are lots of ways, of course, which we can inspire people through this. And adventure and the sense of adventure yeah. is definitely one of them. And, and in this day of this age, you know, the digital age, mm-hmm. um, I think sometimes, you know, physical... Um, uh, adventure and expeditionary nature and yeah. exploration, yeah. you know, can can is 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 losing some ground and <clears throat> and I think actually this is this is this is a great way to actually just remind everybody that actually having an adventure you can still have adventure and and it doesn't have to be hundreds of reasons to do something that actually you know having an adventure in itself yeah. is, is a great reason so hopefully we can inspire people through that oh, it's I'm definitely sure going to be an adventure that's oh, for sure yeah. Yeah. and it, you're right it's not just about doing going to an uncharted piece of the map it's doing something you've not done before and it it's never been done has it no one's ever done this uh, it's amazing yeah it's a it's a you know it's i'm i'm, I'm proud and privileged to say it's a, it's a yeah. world's first yeah I, i'll definitely say attempt so i'm not gonna jinx it yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And then you mentioned um, as well that we're living in a digital age. So how have you uh, used that as part of this expedition, this adventure, mm. to keep people in touch? Yeah, that's a, it's a, it's a good point. I mean, it's um, so again, you know, back into the core of you know engagement. Mm. Um, you know, thankfully, um, you know, the digital age, you know, obviously enables that in a much more efficient way than it used to. Um, in fact. Um, uh, even just from a communication perspective, before we go back onto the digital bit, you know, mm-hmm. we, we've um, uh, we've been supported by um, the Telegraph, who's our media partner. Oh yeah. And the reason that um, we went to, to to the Telegraph with this was because they were always the great reporter of expeditions in the past. Right. Um, and if you remember, you, you would see snippets on a sort of you know weekly or ten day basis from a you know a, a, a Hillary type expedition you know yeah. you get a telegram yeah. and it'd be in the update. telegraph and a quick update yeah, yeah. and, and uh, so actually we, we went to them and said listen you know we th- we you know we, we huge respect for that and would love to that to be right. catapulted into today's day which mm. would be interesting in the media partner and, and then you see the tools that can be brought to bear to to amplify this through yeah. digital communication and and uh, you know incredible sort of um, learning curve on uh, on the power of um, you know social media and, yeah. and and just media you know digital media generally it's going to be yeah it's it's interesting especially it's for, for us luddites it's a, it's an interesting <laughs> exercise yeah. Yeah. I count myself amongst your number <laughs> but it, yeah it, it's instant feedback and also you'd be able to. If you have got to make any last-minute changes to any of the route, people will be instantly informed and will be able to kind of anticipate your arrival. And I'm sure that the the, you know, the airfield perimeters will be lined with people. Yeah, so we're we're um, we're putting on our website and and on the um, uh, the websites of our partners um, yeah. a, a digital um, tracking um, oh, uh, um, graphic, so you can yeah. s- you can see uh, the world map and you can see at any one time where we are. Right. Um, and then we'll be uh, we'll be recording and sending back um, uh, you know sort of daily or every other day um, you know video blogs to give, right. it, give it a bit of an account of the leg that we've just done yeah. or you know and other interesting snippets as we as we as we go by which hopefully anybody will be able to easily engage with. Yeah, um, it should yeah. be some stunning photography coming back from your sport aircraft then capturing yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. We're using the sport aircraft as a as a platform um, for um, for capturing you know stills and also you know we're 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 capturing lots of video content mm. as well. So um, there's going to be you know lots there's going to be lots coming out. You have to ply the guys with caffeine before you stick a camera in their face. I reckon. <laughs> oh, I know. I, 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 one wonders how, 
how long it will last for before, <laughs> yeah. they, before the camera gets thrown out, thrown out the window. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. sure they'll see it. They'll, they'll get it. I'm sure they will, yeah. Hi, I'm Justin Hast, writer and photographer. If you're enjoying the Spitfire podcast, why not take a look at my video series, Time Flies, where IWC museum curator Dr. David Cipher and I compare and contrast pilot's watches, old and new, carefully detailing what makes each model unique. You can find the series on IWC Watch's YouTube channel or search hashtag IWC Heritage. So Lachlan, you've already mentioned that you've, uh, you've started this from an army standpoint, so firmly on the ground. How did you get involved with aircraft? Um, yeah, so um, actually I've been around uh, uh, aviation all my life. My, Have you? my father... Um, uh, was a uh, a career pilot. So oh, he was right. uh, he was a uh, he was an army pilot um, uh, in his early years, um, and um, and then latterly became a, a commercial airline pilot. Oh, right, uh, okay. Thirty odd years with British Airways, and then and then some with some other airlines. So um, and you know he he used to take my brother and I um, you know up in a sort of uh, in a chipmunk or a tiger moth in in the hope that we would. Uh, Follow we, him. we pick up his enthusiasm <laughs> for flying, but uh, I, I, sadly we didn't. Uh, I don't, don't think we quite hit the hit, this, hit the marks. Um, but it's been, yeah. I, I guess it's kind of been in our blood, funny yeah. enough, for for a long time. So so it was a um, so it was an easy uh, it, it was an easy fit in that respect. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I remember actually, particularly the Spitfire mm. um, back in Burma. I think it was in. I don't know, six years ago or so, mm -hmm. there was a there was a story in the paper about some missing Spitfires yeah. or some Spitfires yeah. that, that an enthusiast had found. I remember that um, exactly, and it caught the imagination of so many people mm. that, including myself. And actually, that was the sort of first time I had really sort of re-engaged with a Spitfire. Right. I guess since um, since you know we all used to make Airfix models back in yeah. the day, and yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I genuinely I hadn't really you know the Spitfire, of course, for everybody is always somewhere in your subconscious it kind of is isn't it it is yeah. yeah because it's you know it's part of our fabric yeah but then you know that actually that moment sort of brought the spitfire back right into the sort of front of my mind and, mm -hmm. and then you know sort of the 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 romance of that sort of treasure hunt mm. you know yeah sort of sparked up a lot of um a lot of revived interest um and so and then to be around it um now and to be immersed just by the very nature of the project i mean i'm immersed in Spitfire people, and um, you start seeing what it really means to people. Yeah. And, and I am j absolutely flabbergasted about what this means to so many people. And it's not just the um, the veterans of old. Um, you know, you still see uh, uh, you know seven year old boys. Mm. You know, Spitfire mad. I mean, you know, I saw a friend of mine the other day. He said, you know, that he takes his takes his children, you know, his sons once a month up to Duxford to see the Spitfires because they're obsessed by it, you know, they're nine years old, you know, it yeah. still transcends generations. But not just in this country, you know, like we, we had a, you know, an incredible, uh, we've had incredible messages from people all over the world saying, you know, how excited they are about this and that please come and see us. And yeah. so, I mean, it, it's, you know, you feel a sense of, um, you know, it's, it's a huge privilege to be around such an icon, mm. and then to see it actually firsthand during the restoration. I've been, you know, fortunate enough to be, you know, up at Duxford um, with the um, with the aircraft restoration company mm -hmm. guys um, to see the aircraft at various stages of its rebuild, and it's just, you know, it, it's just as good as you'd imagine. I mean, really? it's, it's it's fascinating. This enormous, uh, powerful 
Merlin engine against this, uh, you know, very lightweight yeah. um, structure, and then this you know, sort of incredible wing design, and and altogether, it just it's just a beautiful thing. And it's the complete uh, picture, isn't it? It, it like really is. And, and then of course, juxtapositioned against, you know, this, the the world situation at the moment. You know, this was a defender against tyranny, and of course, mm. you know, that's I think that's why people have always loved it because yeah. actually it's not an aggressor it's sort of stood up to things yeah and, it's the little guy standing up yeah, for himself and, 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 um, but I can't help every time I see it I do keep every time I see it I still think it's just like it's come out of an airfix box really it's exactly <laughs> it's still exactly like that wow so, you know. I know exactly what you mean because, uh, like many of my mates, we grew up with like making model airplanes, and it was always the Spitfire that people went towards. Yeah, and you know, I, I still the first thing I did when I saw it was go and move that canopy back and forth because with, with, with my fingers, I could never. The canopy was always the bit that I could never actually get on, so I just wanted to check that it does actually. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's not it just you. Actually, it is actually a moving part. Yeah. <laughs> no, it is one of, it's really amazing being around it. I have to say, mm. so yeah. Yeah, and I think you're right. It does. It, it's got a really long reach in terms of the people's consciousness, but the the length of time that it's been around for as well. Yeah. We are looking in the UK that we get to see them relatively often, but taking it around the world to allow others is a great idea. Well, lots of people forget. I mean, uh, certainly I was ignorant to it as well to a certain degree. Um, that the role that the Spitfire played in so many other countries' defence, mm, um, yeah. and you know, I think there's twenty odd countries that we're going to that haven't seen it since it played such a part in their defence oh, wow. during the war, and. Um, you know, it flew everywhere. Mm. Um, you know, it formed the, f the 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 basis of the Jordanian Royal Jordanian Air Force uh, when that was formed in 1947, I think. And um, you know, it flew. You know, there were squad loads of squadrons in Indian Air Force, of course, when they played such an important part uh, mm. in the in the Burmese um, uh, part of the war. Uh, you know, I, I, the, the Q80s uh, have such a relationship with the Spitfire. They used to donate um, Spitfires during the war, and they just they just sponsored the rebuild of, or certainly part of the restoration of the Royal Air Force Museum in Hendon. You know, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. so everywhere you go with it, there's another. You you just realise there's this relationship, and, yeah. and you know, in the US, of course, it was. Um, you know, obviously, it ties into the the, the special relationship between the countries, but. Mm. You know, the Spitfire was scaled during the war in the US. So, you know, the, the, the what enabled us to create, yeah. you know, these vast numbers of Spitfires was the fact that the US took on the manufacturing in, you know, in Detroit and, you know, through Packard. And, and it was, you know, so there's a huge relationship with the Spitfire mm. there. And, and I mean, you can, you know, and, and you go on and on and on. And, yeah. you know, and before, you know, every single country you're going to, they've got something special about the Spitfire and, and they're all desperate to see it so yeah which almost made the, your route planning more difficult so many dots to, to oh, join yeah. absolutely right you don't want to miss anybody out yeah you know, and, and uh, it's incredibly difficult to try and fit everything in but yeah but you've managed it yeah I think so yeah fantastic so it's awesome in terms of scale this project undertakes certainly the longest flight that Spitfire has done that anyone um, has, has attempted before mm. The sponsorship deals that you've you've managed to get involved with to um, fund it. How do you go about that? How does that even begin? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a for me. It's a, it was a really interesting part of the uh, of the whole project and um, something I've you know not been experienced in before. Mm. Um, I guess you know that the, the starting point was you know why do you want sponsorship? Um, what do you need it for? Mm. Um, and and really the core of this was. Um, um, to get uh, to reach as many people as possible, right. so for, for us it needed to be um, a means to engage with people. Right. So um, that was the starting point: is that you know anybody that we want to partner with needs to help us reach. Yeah, people. it's an enabler, isn't it? Yeah. It's an enabler. Yeah, exactly. And and also um, you know be able to in, in hopefully in some way um, you know globalize this mm. so that the the story 
and the engagement doesn't fall off a cliff as you leave the UK. So, right. so you can try and maintain um, a level of engagement. Yeah. So then, um, so then you start thinking, okay, do you need what type of partners are they? And, and, and then, of course, you know, there's a media partner. So then you start a whole um, uh, thought process around, you know, what type of media partner do you want? Mm-hmm. Um, um, and then on the sort of non-commercial side, you know, the, as a, I, um, the, the, the Great Britain campaign, you know, that was, again, a way of, um, a way of engagement and, right. uh, and globalizing what we want to do. Yeah. Um, and then on the, um, you know, on the actual commercial sponsorship side, you know, you need to understand, first of all, um, you know, what does what do, what are we offering? Yeah, what are they going to get out of because it? Because it's yeah. because um, you know what what one often thinks is what somebody wants. Actually, right. If you haven't asked them, then uh, you're, yeah. guess, you're guessing, and, and and actually nine times out of ten you got the wrong answer. So what I didn't want to do was was prepare this um, blind, if you like. So actually, there's a whole. I undertook a, a lot of work trying to understand from the industry side. What this would need to look like in order to, uh, okay, in, yeah. in order to, in order to get through the the, the, um, uh, the gateway process, mm-hmm. um, and then of course you have to try and work out, you know, what is the value to this? Uh, right. You know, um, otherwise, you know, like in any other deal, I don't know, you know, you're negotiating with without any idea of what what the worth is, yeah. which is obviously not something you want to be doing really. So. Um, you know, trying to build a valuation model for this from scratch with something that's never been done before yeah, yeah. was a you know really interesting exercise. And, and you know, we worked with um, with Nielsen, the uh, the data marketing agency, okay, um, yeah. who do a lot of sports marketing, to get them to help us build a valuation model for it. So, right. in the, and that in itself, um, uh, you know, absolutely fascinating in terms of all of the inputs required into that valuation model. So. Right. How many how many eyeballs is it going to be seen through social media? Yeah. Um, you know, is it going on? Is it, is it going to be a TV production? Is there a book? Uh, and, and all these other mm. inputs that feed into this model, which then the, there's some science applied to it, and then it will give a uh, evaluation a, a which is uh, totally agnostic and, and can't be influenced. And, and that's the value. And then you can say, fine, well, that's your start point. So then okay. go and now talk, talk to some brands that you think might... Yeah share some values there might have been emotional connections somehow yeah definitely and and then of course you think this is you know who wouldn't want to be involved with this and then of course you see some brands who don't want to be necessarily involved with something that looks historic okay okay and then you scrub those off the board and and slowly you start you know trying to shape uh you know who to approach to to discuss it and and uh you know it's it's not uh, again it's not it's nothing's easy and no, it doesn't uh, sound like it's quick either it's not quick it, you know it <laughs> takes people take a long time to, yeah. to to get back if at all so you yeah. have to have a thick skin as well thankfully, right? thankfully yeah. i've got and um <laughs> and then you know uh, i think as long as you you know you're putting it out there and letting mm-hmm. people know about it which yeah. is it's quite difficult when you haven't really kicked off the project through mm. through a sort of social media campaign and all those things so people don't know about it you have to try and convince people when they haven't even seen anything which is which is difficult, but you know it's a really interesting side of it, and it's you know this is what's so interesting about doing the project is mm. you learn so many things. I, I always laugh to myself. You see those that collection of um, um, you know sports marketing for dummies. You see all that sort of, all sort <laughs> yes. of things at the, uh, the airport. Yeah. I think I could I could write a book on. Uh, <laughs> I could write. I could, I could do a lot of different uh, a whole series yeah. of uh, how yeah. little I know on. Uh, and it, uh, <laughs> a little bit of knowledge is dangerous, but <laughs> you seem like I've got the right balance at the moment. Well, yeah. actually, anyway, it's fascinating. We've ended up with um, you know with some absolutely terrific um, 
sponsors have been you know have been fantastic I, I think we'll we'll you know they'll get lots out of it as as will we so that, yeah. that, that's always where Mutually beneficial. you want to be find the balance yeah yeah, yeah. so what, when kind of getting towards the kind of the, the end of this journey then what are you hoping that the adventure will achieve what would you like its sort of uh, its lasting legacy to be do you think you know, I, I, I really think just back to how we started this, which was to inspire people. Mm. And, and if, um, you know, if we can inspire, whether it's um, people who haven't seen this aircraft before, who think this is incredible, yeah. uh, through to people who haven't seen it since the Second World War mm. and once again get inspired by, you know, what could be, what could be achieved and... and uh, and uh, and then you know the younger generation coming through who might be inspired through you know about to get involved in um, you know engineering or in the aviation space or just to also feel that you know you know you can you can achieve things and 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 you know what flying does for you in terms of yeah. you know expanding horizons and I mean there's there's, there's so much but I, I think yeah. really it's just that we you know we want to touch as many people as possible with it yes. uh, in a really positive. Uh, an interesting and fun way. Yeah. And then what about you on a personal note, other than the, the goal of being home by Christmas? <laughs> Classic army. <laughs> well, what's, the, uh, what's the kind of thing that you, want, you want to be taking back from it? Um, I have to say, uh, to, be, uh, to be perfectly honest, I, I, haven't really, um, I haven't really given much thought to legacy. I, I, I genuinely just um, really just want to get this, uh, you know, get it round mm. uh, safely. Mm. Yeah. Um, to everybody's satisfaction and then I think it's going to be one of those things that is a bit of a retrospective um, you know what did it mean um, I think yeah. you know the, the, obviously there'll be a you know tremendous sense of achievement about uh, you know with, with such a small team and limited resources to be able yeah. to put something like this on there'll be a there'll be a, um, uh, a sense of achievement but I, I think that's a real uh, that's a dangerous place to go before, you know, three months before takeoff so. <laughs> well, you, mate you sound like you're definitely the right man for that job for the uh, the planning and the, the <sighs> organization well I you know uh, who knows I, I'm sure there are lots of lots of lots of better people that organize <laughs> things than me but um, I, 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 I definitely um, uh, you know it's, 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 it's not easy and it's it's a challenge and I, as, as always with teams it's all about the input from everybody else that mm. enables you know you to make yeah. informed decisions and and you know I'm I'm fortunate enough to have uh, you know a team around who who are genuine experts in what they do, um, which makes life a lot easier. So I, mm. I, I look at myself mm. really as a collator of uh, of good information rather than uh, <laughs> yeah. rather than rather than creating the good information. <laughs> oh, very modest of you, Lachlan. It's been absolutely brilliant chatting to you about the uh, the bits I'm interested in the expedition planning the kind of how you prepare for the for the unforeseen and thanks ever so much for joining us it's oh, been great you're very welcome thanks for having me cheers thank you listeners for taking the time to listen to today's show and thank you to Lachlan for the update on the expedition Depending on when you're tuning into this, be sure to check out the progress of the world record attempts online. Or if you're listening to it in the future, what a great success it was. Next week is the final episode of the series, and we're going to have Matt Jones back to continue his two-parter on the longest flight. We're going to be talking with Matt about piloting the Spitfire in these conditions that it wasn't built for, and the risks, challenges and rewards of doing a world first. I hope you'll join me again for that, and until then, goodbye. <laughs>